0: Hello, I'm Johnny Owen and this is the Best Eleven podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their Best Eleven, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they force players from a different era into a 4-3-3 or will they keep it simple with a 4-4-2? We'll find out very shortly. Our guest today is a massive personal hero of mine. He's one of the principal songwriters in one of the most important bands in popular music history. Even though, in real terms, they were at the forefront of punk rock for barely two years, their effect and influence is without compare. It is, of course, the brilliant Glenn Matlock, one of the magnificent Sex Pistols. Glenn, welcome to your best 11. Can you start by telling us who you support and why?
2: I support Queensbank Rangers. I think you should support your local team. I was. Um Born in Paddington, but brought up in Kensal Green, which is the top end of Scrubs Lane, which is a continuation of Wood Lane. And if you go all the way down there on a the 220 bus and turn right, you're in South Africa Road, and there's Queens Park Rangers Stadium on the left. So I've supported them since 1967. I'm not very good at dates, actually, but <laughs> I, start, I started supporting them when I was in the third division. Yeah. And as soon as I started supporting them, they got promotion from the third division. Won the League Cup, went up to the second division, and then straight into the first division. So I'd like to think I'm a good omen. It's all you, Gwen. It's like, all yeah. on you. you yeah, know- and in particular, when I was younger than that, it was Boxing Day. I was round my nan's house, up Ravensworth Road in Cancer Green, and they were all going down to see the football. And this must have been about 1965 or something. And I wanted to go with my granddad and my uncle and my dad, and they wouldn't take me because I was too little. And they went down... And then they came back about an hour later, and I thought, well, that was a quick game. I said, what's going on? And the game was snowed off, and they all had the ump, I had the last laugh because they wouldn't take me, but I think it wetted the thing for going down the ranges. So, there yes. you
3: you've, you've got the magic touch, this is clear. In terms of early memories of football, I mean, do you, were you a player yourself? Did you like to kick a ball about?
2: Yeah, I used, I used to play quite, quite a lot. I was always like... A, Right back in the dressing room, kind of uh, fullback, but I was quite fast, so it was an overlapping thing. But I played for my school. I played um, uh, in a five or six aside league down Lily Road, where I first came across Paul Cook, and we, we won the league. It's about the only medal I've got for anything. And um, we some of the guys were from North Pole Road. There was like a guy. There was a couple of kids from Christopher Wren and Clement Danes, and one of the guys who organised it came from North Pole Road. So his dad come up with the most fantastic name for a football team. We was Arctic Athletic, because they were from the North Pole Road. <laughs> <laughs> it, was it was great. Yes, yeah. I think one of my biggest sporting claims to fame is that um, I did one of those Elton John gold digger thing when I had my band of rich kids, and we played at Wembley Empire Pool, and each team was allowed to have a professional footballer. And we had Stan Bowles playing for us. So oh, I a with Stan Bowles. Nice. Yeah, it was great.
0: Absolute Loftus Road legend. Do you remember the first
2: was, first game you went to, Glenn? I, I don't it was, I don't exactly. I was thinking about that. I've probably got a program somewhere, but um, maybe Birmingham or somewhere. But I do remember when we used to go in at, at, at South Africa Road, they didn't have a stand. There was a big grass bank. And what what you did, you, get, you go through the turnstile, Scramble over the the sand, the, the grass bank, which is now the South Africa road stand, run across the corner of the pitch and get in the boys' pump. <laughs> so it, it wasn't and then in more recent years, I've through Steve Jones and Paul Cook, I went to some Chelsea games down there. And you go down there, then you get you're on the guest list and you're in a box, you know, the added ass boxes, I mean. And and it's like checking into the Elton. You knock on the door and they go, "Oh, Mister Matlock come in. Glass of champagne." <laughs> and then I remember all the time scrambling over the grass bank. You know, so <laughs> it's a long way it's, from uh, yeah, there. The a world bank. of in, in, in some strata of football. Yeah,
3: yeah this, there's a certain amount of charm to the second version of that as well. Yes. Gotta say, <laughs> uh, did, you mentioned the great Stan Bowles there, but have you a particular favourite player from back when you was a kid?
2: Well, there's loads actually. Um, I, I think it's got to be Rodney. Whoa, to be honest. Yeah. And I, th- I like Rodney because he was an entertainer. I was showing my boy when Rodney was back at Fulham, I think a man city when George Best was playing yeah, there, you yeah, know, yeah. towards the end of their career. And now they're running rings around everybody and they end up tackling each other for yeah. a lot, you know? <laughs> But I do remember and this was actually on Talk Sport, I don't know, about ten years ago. You remember the thing with um, what the goal that never was that that brought in VAR? Yes. Well, Whenever that was, and whatever that game was, I'd been out the country, I'd been touring, and I missed it, right? So I knew there was all this talk about VAR and, and the goal that never was, but I'd missed the actual game. And when I was doing this radio phoning, which might have been with you guys, they call you up about 10 minutes beforehand to make sure you're there, and everybody else on the line is talking about the goal that never was. And Rodney Marsh is hosting the, the, the programme, so I've never spoken to Rodney before, and it was one of the attractions of saying, yes, I'll do it. So I'm thinking, how in hell am I going to get out talking about the goal that never was? Because I never saw it. And then it came to me. They played Anarchy in the UK. There it is, Glenn talking to Rodney Marsh. And I said, Rodgers, tell me something. This goal that never was, how about this goal that never was? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, when I was a young lad, there was some midweek game under um, floodlights, and you won a penalty. You put the ball on the spot, walked back, adjust, adjusted your, your boots, run up, swung at it, goalkeeper saved. I said, but the goalkeeper didn't save the ball. He saved your boot that had somehow come off. <laughs> and then you slotted, the, when he's lying on the ground, you slotted the ball in the other corner. I said, now, did I remember that right? And he said, yes. It's all coming back to me now, yes. Wow. I said, what happened? He said, well, uh, the referee was in a total state of apoplexy about it made me take it again. But he said, but really, um, the goal should have stood because I hadn't kicked the ball. Yes. Right? yes. Because anyway, I took it again and, I, and he said, I scored. I said, Roddy, did you do it deliberately? And you know what he said? He went, might have. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's,
3: he's, he's very. He's, he's, uh, Roddy Master will turn up on the show and I, just to, just because it warmed the cockles. When I talked to Roddy Marsh about Kenny Lynch.
2: He was on our show oh. a while back. Yeah. Uh, well, Kenny, when, when I did that... Um, 5 side thing at Wembley, Kenny Lynch was there, right? right. And, um, well, he wasn't there, and we all had a couple of sort of communal changing rooms, and all of a sudden, the door opened. I was standing by the door, and this little black face came around. He went, who are you? I said, I'm Glenn. He said, I'm Kenny. I said, I know who you are. He said, who's your goalkeeper? And I said, well, he's over there. Why? And he said, well, there's, there's no knee pads, you know, and there was only a couple of pairs of knee pads, and the people playing on goal had to dive all over the hard floor. So they were in short supply I said, well, look, we're on next. I very much doubt if they'll let you have him. He said, what's his name? I said, Steve. Anyway, he, he went over to Steve. He went, Steve, me old mate, blah, blah, blah. I gave him all his chat. Walked out with an e-pads. I thought, he's my kind of guy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is the Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport.
0: So we talked about about yeah. ma- matchday rituals. You mentioned climbing the grass bank at, uh, at the South Africa Road. What were your matchday rituals sort of in your teens watching QPR? And what are they like now, Glenn? Do you still get down there?
2: Yeah, I go down there when I I can. Um, Sometimes, being a musician, it doesn't always work out that they're at home when you're not doing a gig around the other side of the country or something, but I I go when I can do. Um, I don't have a particular match ritual, just get down there, have a cup of tea. I do like, normally, when you get down there, some people like to stand up until the very last moment before they sit down and i I like to watch them kicking around, but i 've got an answer to that so i get myself a cup of tea and I get a chicken balty pie right and you sit down and there's some big bloke sitting in front of you and as soon as you open a packet, he goes. Ooh, and then he normally goes and gets one himself. And then, <laughs> so not only can you enjoy your 40 pie, you can see the pitch. Oh, clever, <laughs> clever, clever move.
0: Like the pistol kids, isn't it? That guy's gone. Yeah, that's go and... <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, like Bristol. His feet are floating in the air as he's whisked off by it's... the whiff of it, isn't he? I mean, exactly? uh,
0: it's just, I mean, obviously, you know, you're rock god royalty. Mick Jones is another one. He's a big
2: QPR fan as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I, I, got, I haven't been down there with him for a while because it's been a funny years, but yeah, yeah, Mick. Go down and meet. And I do remember oh, about 10 or 12 years we was down there having a cup of tea at half time, and some young lady was looking at us and she sort of came over and we thought we'd been kind of recognised. And she said, Excuse me? And we said, Yes. And she said, Do you know if that's Bruce Welch behind you? <laughs> so. There you go. Yeah. How about
3: that, that's do you know. If, obviously, back in the in the days of you know the, in in the glory punk days, the thing about and Johnny and I talk about this a lot. It's very difficult to be in that kind of band with you know angry young men and also have football with you at the same time. Did what could you keep? Football? Oh yeah, but well, I
2: mean that's one thing I missed out on because I was a staunch ranger support for a long, 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 long time, and then I got involved with music, yeah, and and punk and touring and stuff, and I kind of. Not went off football, but it kind of fell off my radar with when the Rangers did really well, you know, and they nearly won the old First Division. Yeah. So I wasn't around for that, and I, I didn't go to those games.
0: Well, just, so, the, the career takes all. Well, that's probably amazing.
2: the
3: world's benefit, isn't it? Yeah. Many <laughs> millions of sold I'm records. quite Glad later. you
2: did I <laughs> Yeah, but if I'd been down there with. Um, With my history of the matching touch, we might have actually won it. You know, it's a great shout, actually. I I feel guilty,
3: (laughs) (laughs) wasted on the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, have you got a favorite piece of sort of memorabilia or a memento?
2: Yeah, it's probably my West Brom winning program, really. Is that what you mean about football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the League Cup final win, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got that. Um, went with me, dad. That was good. Following year, we went, um, Man City and stuff and it had snowed and all the local boys schools got called up to go and help clear the pitch. So we went the day before and the, the day of the game and we got, I think we got something like 10 bob and the tickets to the game and they made some of us going out to sweep the steps downstairs and we had white coats on a broom and some bloke appeared from behind the post he said, "Yeah, mate he said I'll give you a quid for your broom and your coat and I went nah, something we want to watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was going to say have you got a, a favourite player of, at the moment Glenn?
2: Yeah um, actually it's a bit of a toss up between Austin and I really like Adoma when he comes on yeah, he's really yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he should play a bit more but perhaps he doesn't play as long as he does because he's not as young as he used to be but he's younger than me yeah.
3: Charlie Austin's made such a difference there I, I, I was lucky enough to go to the Co-Prince uh, against Barnsley and he was fantastic because he's just in everybody's face he he, he doesn't shut up but he's so effective and I think I think Mark Warburton's got a bit of a team going there I know they kind of went a bit hot and cold towards the end of the season but he's got something going on there
2: I think well, I think so it's just if we can hang on to him but what I like about Austin when he was at Rangers first time around and you know, he was a younger player then and he'd sort of he was late to football, wasn't he? You know, he was a bricklayer and then he kind of came in a bit later and all that. We were playing Chelsea, and I think it was that game where there was a bit of trouble. But there'd been an attack that Austin was involved in, and um Chelsea counter-attacked, so everybody's watching that down the Rangers end. But I was watching Austin and he was having a tiny little altercation with John Terry, and you know, John Terry was a seasoned England professional footballer and a bit of a reputation. Charlie was having none of that. He picked him up and turned him over. <laughs> you know, he actually lifted him up. Not everybody missed it. It was fantastic. I thought, good old Charlie, he stands his ground. You yeah, know, yeah.
3: your kind of man. Yeah. For them, he you? has yeah. been proved it, exactly. And he, and he looks like he's, he's at home again. It's absolutely part of the whole thing.
2: So, well, if we can keep him, we, we've you know, The game revolves around him. I think a little bit. Well, it won't revolve around him, but he makes a difference. You know, you need that kind of steadying, you know, influence. influence, Hand on the
3: tiller. Yeah. Right, now, in terms of kits, now, this this look would be, I mean, Vivian Westwood herself would take this look on, Mm. that that hooped outfit, but have you got a favourite version of it?
2: Yeah, I, I won't pin it down to a year, but I say this with my son, is that Rangers think they have a better season when they've got just the right amount of hoops on their kit. Sometimes they have, they have too many, and we don't do so well. So, you know, I, th- I think about now at the moment is about the right number of hoops. Now, I've never actually counted them, but um, I think it's about right. Perhaps somebody could count the number of hoops on the kit, and they well, should have idea. A, the hoops. They, they should have a... Um, you know, like a bylaw within the Queens Park Rangers. <laughs>
3: you could. There's probably you could probably someone would do the sums on this. Yes, it's a very
0: interesting when, point. Hope wit the 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 the, the Jerry Francis sort of the great team. That that kit was spectacular, wasn't it?
2: You know, difficult. Yeah, cool. But but back in my day, I did have a range. I've only ever had two Rangers shirts in my life, believe it or not. The one i got now, my son bought me for Christmas. Lovely. Number ten on the back, and an old one, long sleeves that um, was just kind of cotton and nicely washed out, and they were more comfortable. Yeah, nice. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I was... Um, no, and the other thing, we're, tra- we're tracksuits these days. I mean, I like a tracksuit, but the good old days, they used to have a zip up the front and a little little collar on them made out of brushed cotton, and I thought it was really comfortable. Now you, you, they do like hoodies, and I don't see why anywhere in the world you can't be able to buy a hoodie that doesn't have a hood on it. And I think that's wrong. We don't, and most times when people have hoods on their hoodies, they don't wear them anyway. No. What's the point in them?
3: It's <laughs> really got on. This has got on Glenn Matlock's nerves.
2: of the not a on a Sunday afternoon. You know, what's the point of having a hoodie if you don't wear the hood? And if, if people don't wear the hoods, why do you have to have a hood on it in the first place? Yes. <laughs> That's so true. I always
0: remember. I remember seeing a young kid, a bit younger than me, and he did that thing of wearing his trainers without the shoelaces tied up. You know, a very sort of like American. Run sort of DMC, style. yeah. I, they kept coming off. As he's walking, yeah. <laughs> and in the end, I'm going, just do the shoelaces up. That's what they're there for. Well, no, 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 it's cooler like this. Do you, know what you mean? But yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: but then where would have Rodney Marsh been with this guys? <laughs> yeah, <number>? yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good point.
0: Loosen the laces a little bit, and off goes the, uh, off goes the boot. Uh, you mentioned earlier on, Glenn, Obviously, meeting uh, Rodney Marsh was was great because he was a. Hero. Well,
2: it was only on the radio, you know, yeah, on the radio. But, uh,
0: and the same for me now. Uh, massive, massive hero of mine. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a, I I'm a loved. Uh, the Sex Pistols, I love rich kids. Um, I was watching the other day. The, it's it's a it's a, it's about ten fifteen years old now. But the classic album series is back on Sky Documentaries again, and they talk oh, about they talk about the Nevermind. The- Album, and it's really interesting because I was sort of saying the other day and everybody was kind of agreeing with me it gets better with time it was a stunning album when it came out obviously but it seems to get better it's one of those few albums gets better with every passing year and I always say in every interview there's bit ever, I've ever done your favourite song ever written is with a shadow of doubt God Save the Queen by The Sex Business I still think that's a three minutes of the most exciting music ever written in human history. There we are. That's what I always say. Right, incredible lyrics go. and amazing music. I mean, did you have any idea at the time that you were writing something that would become not just classic and timeless, but so influential in 20th century popular culture?
2: Um, no. But, <laughs> I, I, no but I, I will say this. I'm going to be big-headed about it, but just because the way the band evolved and the people involved and the position we were in, we always knew we had something.
0: Yes. You know?
2: and, and when you're in a band and you're young, to have that kind of bit of sort of cocksure arrogance doesn't do you any harm whatsoever, you know, if you want to be in a rock and roll band. And um, you know, just lots of things in the right place at the right time. But we did put ourselves in the right place at the yeah. right time. So. Oh, extraordinary. There you go. But I'm glad, glad you like it. I
0: you know? it. I, mean, I just play it all the time. And what's, what's interesting about it is um, what the documentary does brilliantly, which I think... Is now become much more part of history, was they got the engineers saying, because um, I know Malcolm put stuff out about, you know, just to get press, and they couldn't play and all that, but he, the, guy, the guy who produced the album saying what a bunch of musicians yeah. they were for the age, and so tight, and everything they played was extraordinary, he said. You know, they were just such a, a great, tight little band, and I think that's what came out for me from the documentary as well, you know, Glenn? Yeah,
2: well, fair enough, but, you know, bands like that, when you're getting it together, you you you, you got to do your homework, which I think we did. You know, and there was a, lots of stuff that didn't make the grade, but we was in a position to just sort of sort of a week from the chat kind of thing. Yeah,
0: well, you found a little just going
2: place. Back to, Go just going back to rock and roll and QPR and sort of tying it together yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I, I was a big fan of Ainsworth um, when he was player yeah. manager. I, I like the fact that he... um kept Rangers up one season with some sort of kind of jammy lob from the edge of the box that went in. But it was good and it kept us up. And I was really pleased about that. And next season I got introduced to him. I was waiting for an autograph outside with my son. And there's this guy, Ray, who knew him a little bit. And Ainsworth come out and we got chatting, we swapped numbers. And we was playing with the pistols down at Brixton Academy. We did those shows. And Ainsworth, I invited him down and he was injured at the time. And he came with some other player, mate of his, I can't remember who it was, who was injured at the time, Were their two messages. And I actually got them in the disabled enclosure at Brickson Academy to work for Pistons. And they both had their legs in plaster or strapped up. Right. And with like walking sticks. So there, there's a complete football, um, punk rock, Thing all Perfect. in one
3: go, brilliant. And, and 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 we only discovered only the other week, Glenn, that he's got a new album coming out on Cherry Red. Yes, so how about that then? Oh, <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, he's he's got a recording deal, so he's done all right. We also,
0: had, we had um, Stuart Pearce on the other week. Oh, Stuart he, he still Pierce. talks um, very fondly about eulogize, uh, yeah, about introducing you on uh, on the stage at Finsbury Park.
2: Yeah, yeah, but he was making his Cookie, you know, you got him involved in that. Well, that was a good year, that with yeah. the, the Euros and stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, I've I seen that gig Sensational gig Fantastic yeah. Glenn we're going to ask you For your best QPR 11 But just first I, I've got to say When I first uh, moved up to London About 16, 17 years ago I think I was walking on the street With a fellow Merthyr boy Called Chris Sullivan Who I believe you know <gasps> And there's walking the other way Is Glenn Matlock <laughs> So obviously I go It's Glenn Matlock To which he goes I know Glenn So obviously he goes Alright Glenn and, and we have a bit of a chat And blahdy blah And we were just talking Off air about this And you used the great Spike Milligan line What was the line you said?
2: Oh well Yeah, yeah it was Um well, it's from the Goon Show, and one of them's walking down the street, and he happens to fall down a, a coal hole, you know, into the cellar, um, don't know why he does, but he does, and he comes to, and he can hear somebody crunching coal, and <laughs> I can't remember all their names properly, but one of them's blood knock, and then one's another one, he goes, Nelly, knock, is that you? Goes, yeah, Nelly, he says, Nelly, is that you? And he says, yes, blood knock. He said, what are you doing down there? He says, well, everybody's got to be somewhere. <laughs> and I think, you know, you meet people around the world and what are you doing here for? Everybody's got to be somewhere.
3: Yes, <laughs> a beautiful line, which is Glenn's great line to me. Be- this is the Best 11 podcast from Talk
1: Sport. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: So, there we go, the $64,000 question. Uh, we're going to go through your best QPR 11. Do you want to take us through it, Glenn?
2: Oh, it's, it's hard, you know. I've been musing over this. I'm actually going to go to Phil Parks. I like Phil There Park. you go, a good keeper. I like his haircut. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Which
3: he has retained to this very day he, as best he possibly can. Has he still got a good? He's got a 1970 Buffon still, rock and roll air. I got to say as
0: well, Glenn, you can't see him obviously because his radio it's still got a fine head
2: of hair. Oh, rock and so roll here. Uh, well, do you know what? I'm hanging on to it as long as it's possible through lockdown because some some blokes my age haven't got it. So exactly.
3: Good point. Have yeah. you got it floating?
2: winds it. Wind it up a little bit. <laughs> right, right, i right. I I've got, I've got Tony Hazel. All right, Tony Hazel. Yeah. And I, do, and I do remember meeting him. At, um, I used to play for this other team in sort of West London called the Penguins. And I used to run quite a few teams for different age groups. And I was younger. And they had the younger kids coming just out, went out in a hat and serving drinks. And I served a drink to him. And um, it was either Peter Benetti or Springett and they'd had a good drink. It was was, was quite funny. And the whole thing, the guest I want to speak was Simon D at this this field there. Yeah, and he was funny. And it was not long after he got a bit of trouble and they was trying to give him a stick and he made mincemeat of everybody. He he was very, very good, you know, just talking. Can I ask you as well, the
0: the Penguins, You got surely you played in black and white. Did you play in black and white?
2: No, we played in, like, kind of Celtic colours, green and white. You? <laughs> and you always knew if he was going to get a game the next week, because the guy who used to run the team let you wash your shirt yourself. See. And, that's way, and that's his way of saying you don't get a game next week. He said, oh, I'll wash that for you. And it meant you weren't going to play next week. But if you get to wash your shirt yourself, or your mum did it oh. for you, that moment
3: good, after man. a game, God, yeah. the suspense! <laughs> know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, horrible, horrible. <laughs> are you? Are you oh. back four forwards? Are you going to go back four here, Glenn? Are you?
2: No, I, 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 am from the days when it was five, three, two, and it was five forwards, not the other way round. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So I've got, I've got, we got Phil Parks in goal. We've got Tony Hazel right back. And when we um, either got promoted to the second division or one to get through to the League Cup final. There was a little pitch invasion from the boys' pen, and I ran on the pitch and shook his hand, and it was Jimmy Langley. Oh. Jimmy Langley, wow. And, and he was a bit bow-legged. My dad used to say he couldn't stop a pig in the passage. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, so there you go. Yep. Now, now, it starts getting tricky because yep. there's so many good players, but I mentioned Gareth Hainesworth earlier on. I've yep. got him uh, um, right off. Gotcha. Right, I've got Venables in the center of the field. Terry Van, yeah. And I've got Terrapt left off. But wow. I, well, it's right. Like, like, i never know if it's right. Like, yeah, it would be left off. It it would it? would be. He, really he'd be a 10 there.
3: in the modern language, but left half is what he is, definitely. Loved yeah. by Rangers fans yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Loved.
2: Yeah. yeah. Got the best home. On, yeah. And then on the left wing, I wanted to put the, one of the Morgan twins in, but the Domer, right?
3: Uncle okay. okay. Decision I like it.
2: Marsh, Marsh.
3: Marsh
2: Austin centre forward. Bowles, Bowles. Mark Lazarus. Lazarus. Now I thought Mark Lazarus was fantastic because I do remember another game down the Rangers, and somebody tore his shorts. Right. <laughs> and he shouted from the from the pitch for a new pair of shorts, which they slung on onto, onto the pitch. And he quickly took off the torn ones. And was about to put the new ones on, and somebody passed him the ball, and he went airing off down the line <laughs> with his torn shorts in one hand, one in the other one, just his chop strap. And you could see his little Mark was buttocks going up <laughs> and down. And he the ball. I can't remember if it scored or not, but it was funny. And he sang Lead Bloke was on QPR, We're the Greatest oh, in 1957. Well, there you so, go. Uh,
3: and he's got so a showbiz he, name. So, I lo- you know, you've got to love that.
0: Yes, And have you got. Um... Obviously, we've got to ask you for a manager. Have you got a specific manager you'd like to we'll, look after this team?
2: Oh, Alex, stop. Yeah. Oh, that's only cause for old times' sake. But I do like what Warburton's doing at the moment, you know. I mean, like
0: Mark said, I mean, they've one of those teams next season, you think well, they could be sort of knocking on certainly the playoffs, couldn't
2: they? I think I think they could be. I, I always said this season that I thought we could tickle the playoffs, which we did, and then we got Austin in. And if we hadn't... Lost a couple of games, we could possibly have won about a month or so ago. Yeah. I think we would have been in the playoffs. So if we can keep the same team together, if um we got a shot next year.
0: Just wanted to yeah. say, obviously, because we're coming to the, to the end, you're still very much uh, an active musician. Can you tell us what, obviously, it's been difficult with the lockdown, but what you've got coming up, or any plans?
2: Um Well, I, I actually, last year, I made a new album. Yeah. Um, and I'm just negotiating to get that out now. It would have been out before now but you know lots of labels want you to do a tour with it and since you can't tour it puts the negotiating position back a bit but there's lots of stuff going on behind the scene i'm really proud of the record i've got under my belt i've got some great people playing it but El slick being one of them and um yeah wait till everything's kind of opened up a bit more and we'll see i'm you know i'm not mad to go running around the country for the hell of it. But it's kind of great when you get a long flight somewhere and then you you get to, say, Sydney and you get out of the airport at 10 o'clock at night and it's 30 degrees, you know, and it's November. I, I like that side. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Just for some I know you might think that's strange but <laughs> oh, no.
3: although I still so, think that he'd much rather be earning ten bob wearing a white coat digging snow brushing snow off the, the pick.
2: no, 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 no chance. chance well there is all that but then I think about it you know <laughs> <laughs> fantastic Glenn Glenn brilliant. genuine rock and roll legend just oh, oh, no, no, one other thing on. I, I, I didn't put one of the Morgan twins in as um, as substitutes yeah, right. absolutely. So I, I think they should both be in the substitutes. You're allowed and, that. Uh, and Lou you're allowed five people now, aren't you? So oh, sure I, I, quite, are. I like, quite like to put Alan Wilkes in there. Yeah, OK, he's in. And, uh, and um, maybe Mike Keane. Oh, blimey. That's Got lovely. it. It's done. It's done. Thank, Thank you Glenn. very
3: much
2: for, uh, Cheers, Glenn. Top, Glenn. Top, man. Cheers. And, oh, I enjoyed that. I hope you did too. So there you go. The Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport.
0: Thank you for listening to the Best Eleven podcast. Don't forget there are new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best Eleven very soon.
1: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.